Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host, Reese Thomas, I'm Teresa Quinlan. We make up TNT. For those of you that don't know, it's our name, Thomas and Teresa. We're here to explode the status quo, because this series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently, so we can start doing differently. Our guest today is Jennifer Bites. Jennifer helps women shatter their limiting beliefs. She was a classic example, a woman holding herself back from the next level of success in her life, in her business, in her career. She spent many years thinking that she wasn't enough, she wasn't worthy, she wasn't ready. And it's through her commitment to her personal development, work with other coaches, that she's been able to elevate herself. She has discovered that every time she reinforced the limiting belief, she was right. So from the experiences rises the phoenix. Jennifer is using her own personal path as a way to help others reach their next level of success. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. You're a good friend of mine and Teresa's and part of the Humans First group. So woohoo, it's a Humans First. But um, we like to start off with our question about obsession. That's your passion in a good way. So give us an opportunity to understand where this story began, why it's so important for you and how it's changed everything in such a positive way for you. Well, thank you, Reese. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm going to take us back roughly 10 years ago to a time where now I chose to leave the workforce for about 10 years to raise my kids full time. While I was doing that, I was a little anxious in that I wanted to do some personal development. However, I had held myself back from ever improving because the fear just took over. The thoughts of what I would need to do in order to accomplish that seemed overwhelming. And I also took my previous beliefs or my past beliefs and I threaded them into my present. So at a time where I was looking to improve myself, I wanted to attend university. I had not done this before. As a matter of fact, I spent a lot of time talking myself out of going to university. When I was a student in high school, I was not committed to learning. I chose not to attend a lot of my classes my grades suffered. When I was an adult and thought about going to university, I immediately had those old beliefs coming in that, but look at what you did in high school, Jen. Based on that, you're not going to be able to handle university. Look at your age, Jennifer. You're older than most students. How are you going to manage being around younger people? And the thought that kept coming up for me at that time was, yes, I was going to come up against obstacles. Yes, I was older than my peers. Yes, I was ready to try something new. And it was at that point where I decided to sign up for one evening class. I did not want to overwhelm myself. I did not want to go in fully committed. I just wanted to dip my toes in the water. And when I showed up for that class, oh my gosh, my anxiety was really taking over. It 
took everything in me to walk through that door and sit amongst my peers. It was through the consistent practice of showing up to every class that I eventually started to let go of my fears, that I eventually started to raise my hand and ask questions. That whole process elevated me in my thinking, in my confidence, and in my knowledge. Now, because I chose to go at it on a part-time basis, it did take me a few more years to achieve my goal. I chose to major in conflict resolution, and this was relatively new to our world. The literature at that time was only 20 years old. During the time that I was a student, I also volunteered for a organization here in Winnipeg that was facilitating workshops to the community to educate the community on conflict resolution. It was through that organization that I found my passion to help others resolve conflict. I quickly tried to fit into the organization. I started with what I know, my administrative tasks, and I wanted to elevate and grow quickly. I wanted to be a workshop facilitator. And on a Tuesday, I showed up to the workshop with a veteran facilitator to co-facilitate. I had things thrown at me that I had never experienced before. Yeah. I had breakout sessions and I was handling quite a bit of emotions that day. I had to take feedback from the veteran facilitator as to what I could do to improve. That was the day that I took on more than I could chew. After that day, I recognized that I wasn't as successful as maybe I wanted to be. In my mind, it looked different. And yet, when I finished my day, I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel that I perfected that. And unfortunately, I went inside and I started playing small. Mm. Here, I attempted something large. I didn't have all the tools at my disposal. I was, remember, I was a student. I was learning something new for the first time. And instead of asking for help, instead of admitting I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. I went inside and I beat myself up. And I quit. I went back to my comfort zone. I went back to the workforce, to doing the administrative work that I knew so well. There's something interesting in your story that you mentioned that I wonder if we can explore a little. I'd love to hear your sort of self-assessment, personal reflection on it. And it relates to the fact that you went into conflict resolution as a specialty for study. And yet, but your description of yourself prior to this was almost all internal conflict resolution or attempts at internal conflict resolution of yes, but or maybe I can, I'm not sure if I can, all internally. And then you picked a subject that would help you resolve that on the inside. In your education, did that sort of self-reflection pop up at any time that you went, oh my God, I picked something that I actually need? Yes. As a matter of fact, I know that's why I gravitated there. I wanted to go into law. I wanted to get into the faculty. I was a mature student. I didn't have to meet the same criteria as other students. 
However, I did have to elevate myself in my grades very quickly. As I went through all that process, the last step was to be invited to an interview. I wasn't invited to the interview. And it allowed me to pause and pivot. I knew that time was of the essence and that I didn't want to spend another year meandering through my education. Law was changing in that we were talking more about mediating disputes versus the formal go-to-court route. And that is what started to awaken me to this idea that conflict isn't necessarily something that has to be avoided. It's not something that has to be swept under the carpet. And the more I started to talk about resolving conflict and resolving emotions, the more I started to fill my cup up. However, I was missing a piece still. And I really feel that a lot of it had to do with the way that I was thinking. And through my research and my own personal development, I started to recognize that my thoughts were keeping me stuck. It was through the simple tool of meditation that I began to, I began to hear myself think. Here, like you're saying, Teresa, I was armed with all this new knowledge of how to resolve conflicts. And yet, for some reason, it didn't jive with me at that time. You used the phrase like sort of suffering in silence. I went into right. and I suffered in silence. You weren't listening. You weren't listening right. to yourself. Right. right. I was busy listening to society and trying to people please others. And every time I would get to that spot in my own internal life where I wanted to try something new, those old voices would come in. Yeah, but Jennifer, that's not going to work. Yeah, but Jennifer, did you consider? Yeah, but Jennifer, and here's the thing, Teresa and Reese, well, I'm just going to own it. I don't think everything through right to the very end. A lot of times I take risks without always thinking from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And when I'm attempting something new, something big, something unconventional, that's when all those traditional voices start coming in. And it has taken me a few years of a consistent meditation practice and to really learn how my mind works and how it's thinking that has allowed me to learn how to let go of those negative thoughts, let go of all those other voices so that I could hear myself. And more importantly, I could hear myself think I just wanted to say that firstly, I think it's really interesting that you chose the topic of conflict resolution when everything that I'm hearing you saying is that the real conflict that you couldn't resolve was the one that was going on internally inside your head. It wasn't anything to do with the studies. It wasn't anything to do with your experiences. It was only when you managed to start practicing meditation, which in its way is allowing you to shut out some of the noise obviously it's not about quieting the mind but it's also helping you focus on what it was that was really going to propel you to the next stage of your becoming which is where you're at now i'm interested to know is there something else was there another impetus that came in that propelled you from constant conflict constant inner critics constant kind of denial of self-worth to ignoring all of that and just owning your own self stepping up to being the real jennifer 
right? And it was, it was starting to get painful to see others succeeding when I knew that I had it within me. And you're right, Reese, I was looking outside. I was too busy looking outside for that affection, attention, that love that existed within me the whole time. Only I didn't pause. I wasn't listening to myself. I was really invested in pleasing others. And as I said, when I, when I was busy looking for that attention and that affection outside, you're right, Reese, it's like I was inside myself trying to get my attention. And it wasn't until I got quiet that I started to hear my own voice. And I started to recognize my worth and my value. And I started to build up my resiliency to the old voices that were going on in my head. This is the beautiful part of being able to recognize and then reconcile. So recognize my noise what does my noise sound like compared to what is other people's noise that I've adopted or been programmed to listen to? Because we experience a lot of people in our lifetime and a lot of those people spend several years with us. So our parents and our family will nurture some of mm -hmm. the internal dialogue and some of the buttons that exist within us, right? They can yes. also sort of nurture our capacity to listen to our own voice, our gut instinct or the opposite. And so the capacity to make that distinction between, well, what is my truth and what is just what's been planted? When you have that breakthrough, then comes the reconciliation of that moment of when you now know differently and you're going to start doing differently. In that reconciliation, several people have a bottoming out. They have this moment of, why didn't I see it sooner? Mm -hmm. There's so many years I didn't need to struggle. And then they have like mm. a heaping pile of shit on top of their self-esteem as opposed to reconciling in the moment and going, oh, that's what that is. Now I know. And now I can do better. Oh, I'm free. Like the phoenix. Mm. Right? You're the phoenix. You're rising out of a reconciliation and recognition. So how do you coach other people to recognize that? For me, I found so much value in getting quiet. That's when I heard my voice. A lot of it has to do with pausing and being intentional about what I think about as well. These old beliefs are going to continue to surface. Something that I have learned through my journey is that it took many, many years of conditioning to have me believe these thoughts. It's going to take me consistent steps. It's going to be two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, four steps back until I find my rhythm. Those old beliefs, they still bubble up. I'm not attaching to them. I'm letting things go that are not serving me well. And so I love to get women together and coach them into seeing the value that they bring to the table, coaching them to shatter those limiting beliefs that might've been, like you said, Teresa, many years of previous people imposing their thinking on you. And at some point in our lives, we get to choose which thoughts we want to entertain and which thoughts we want to let go. 
When are we ever taught that? Where do we learn this information? Mindfulness and meditation is on the rise. We're trying to increase consciousness. Why? So that we can release those old beliefs and step into that freedom and that happiness and that joy that comes from believing in ourselves. I love that you're working with people like now to help them heal and get through that process. Have you thought about the value of getting them early? Because <laughs> when you say mindfulness, presence, yes. the power yes. of thought, it's so important. When do we learn it? Great question, Jen. When do we learn it? How can your impact be for all of those kids that aren't learning it? We can maybe resolve generations to come of people who need coaches when they're in their 40s or 50s because, you know, right. they're like a crumbling mess. Right. I really see the value of working with students too. Specifically, I'd love to get the graduate students. They're eager to learn. They're full of enthusiasm. And then they go into that workforce. I'm sorry. I thought you meant kindergarten graduates, but you meant <laughs> university college graduates. Right. They're so full of enthusiasm and you to learn. And I'm like, yes, kindergarten is an amazing graduation ceremony. But again, <laughs> smaller hats. You know what I'd really, well, what I'd really love to do is my cousin was expecting, and I would have loved for her to practice meditation while she was pregnant do believe that there will be value to a mother who meditates while she's pregnant. I'd love to see the benefits to that child as she grow, he or she grows. Mm -hmm. Teresa, though, back to your question. Yes, I'd love to work with children as early as kindergarten, as well as that pivotal grade seven and eight. That's a TSN turning point. That's when our emotions are kicking in. A lot of our leaders at that point are not teaching us to go within. So I love the idea that what you have to offer is accessible and also necessary to men and women of all ages, young and old. And you can use your talents and your experience having been a mother, having been an, an elder student within a university. So you have that experience. So some people might have a hang up of like, oh, I'm a certain age. How can I go in and talk to people who are you know, high school kids or university graduates? But because you've done that, you already have that connection. You, this is a, an opportunity for you to go in and you can explore this opportunity to experiment and practice and talk about how meditation can help because it would also be hugely important for people when they're going through the exams or stressful periods during the university process or people who are looking to find their first jobs again i'm imagining that most of the clients you work with now are people that come from a similar sort of background as you because it's often easier for us to relate to someone who has taken all the boxes that are similar to our own story so we can go okay i relate to that i know how you overcome that or how you can overcome that because that was what I did. What is your vision of your business? Because I know that you recently only just left the corporate world. You're yes. now enjoying the experience of being full-time coach. What is, what is the plan for the rest of this year? My plan is to touch as many women's lives as I can. Now, I am surrounding myself with like-minded people. I'm putting myself out there. I'm getting out of my comfort zone because I know these conversations need to be had. I know that plenty of women are holding themselves back for fear. Plenty of women have that imposter syndrome bubbling up. 
And I know that the more I have these conversations with women in particular, that it's going to start a movement. It's going to start to raise that consciousness. It's going to start to develop leaders that are heart-centered. It's going to develop leaders that are leading from within. So when they're going into these organizations and they're working with other people, they are coaching them to reach their highest level of potential. I feel that that shift from leadership away from the autocratic commanding way to a more coaching perspective. And I want to coach women on how to elevate their leadership presence. Harness that power of your facilitation drive. Now that you've tackled the beast inside, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going back to that world. Don't need to have perfection. I need to have outcome, impact. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a perfect experience. It needs to be a value-add, worthwhile experience. And what I heard you mention was a process that seems so simplistic in its makeup. Mm. You talked about the power of quiet, mm -hmm. doing this intentionally so that we can connect to the power of our thoughts and then stepping into owning that everything we need to change what's happening here is within ourselves. So when someone starts to practice this and based on your experiencing, uh, experience of practicing it, what are some of the ripple impacts that end up being part of the experience of shifting the power of your thoughts? It really affecting my overall well-being, my overall joy, my happiness. It's expanded my compassion for others, my empathy. I've always had a lot of empathy. This has really blessed me with even more. Learning to lead from within is affecting my mental state, my emotional state, my physical, and my well-being. Every time that I want to make a decision now, every time I need to concentrate, every time that I'm going to encounter something new, I now have this wonderful tool at my disposal. Mm -hmm. I gain strength from this anchor in my life that allows me to tune out the outside world and to tune in to the inside, tune into what Jennifer wants. How does Jennifer want to lead? And every time I do that, I have a sense of freedom. And I have been practicing meditation since 2014. I'm going into my sixth year now. The more I sit in silence, the more freedom I experience. And that is something that I want more of us to feel, more of us to experience. So you mentioned meditation a number of times now, and I know mm -hmm. how important it is for you. And I know that many people have misconceptions and preconceptions about what it is, how it can uh, really benefit them. There are many different ways in which you can practice uh, the idea of meditation. Are you able to share with us something? Because it, it seems so evident that it has been so formative in your transformation. What's worked for you and what might you be able to share that other people might be able to try later today? was I was introduced to a, a meditation app known as Headspace. There are guided meditations on that app, as well as numerous themes that we can go into to specialize, if you will. 
However, I have also am also aware of Dan Harris and his 10% Happier. And he now has a meditation app for skeptics. And, you know, I was not a believer to begin either. I had no idea that meditation was going to help me in the way that it did. And so what I can offer to everyone is that same thing for any time we're trying something new. And that is to try it. You may not like it. The key is to continually show up, even if you're not getting the results, the big results that you're looking for immediately. Meditation is something that takes time to develop. You're developing a habit. You're developing a mindset. You're training your mind. And something like that is going to take repetition. My sister did a, she practiced and also practices for a really long time. And she's done like silent retreats. There may be more people on the planet that probably practice meditation. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people where culturally meditation is part of your out of the womb. Even when you're in the womb, this is part of their cultural practices. And mm -hmm. it, oh, it is a long standing practice that has a lot of literature around it. So being a skeptic about it almost seems like you're part of the minority, not part of the majority. What you spoke about rings so true because meditation does not need to be this one sort of, this size fits in the box, this is what meditation is. You must sit in silence for extended periods of time and try to clear your mind. You just talked about meditation helped me to get in tune with my thoughts and pay attention to my thinking. Meditation can be something that we do for one minute, 10 deep breaths in and out. Uh, it can be done when we're brushing our teeth or doing the dishes. There's so many applications around meditation for the power of connection to self. Yes. When I've used it, it achieved the outcome, that's for sure. Right. I find it's my go-to tool. When a lot of people come to me, especially people that are in managerial positions that are managing people, that is very stressful. You're managing other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know how to do that and they get sucked into it, right? You want to save everybody. You want to help everybody. And the best help you can do is to help yourself, right? The more presence that you can bring to a situation, the more in tune you are to the speaker. So this seems like the most ideal time to get into hashtag not anymore. And so this... The pain that we bring ourselves to and maybe allow ourselves to live in for far too long is something that when we recognize, we need to be able to recognize, reconcile, and move forward. So if you were going to offer one thing that you would recommend people can start doing to get out of the current discomfort they are comfortable in and move towards the discovery of the potential, what would that one thing be? Commit to being present. Look at your everyday. Commit to omit one thing that is distracting you from stepping into your full potential. What distractions, what activities do you allow yourself to be distracted with so that you don't have to deal or you don't have to listen to yourself? Right? I love that because, yeah, we talk a lot about how incremental change can help you improve things and we have at least for me when i think about that i think 
how can I improve something by doing more of it a little bit at a time to make a big difference. But what you just described is like the opposite of that. It's taking a little bit away each time, allow you to have a greater understanding about what it is you really, your purposes, what your, um, your focus needs to be. And just as transformative as adding things, also taking away can also have that huge effect. So if everyone enjoys your, your takeaway for that, because I really enjoy that. So I think it's now time for, um, for our famous Q&A. So there might be one question which is a bit mute, but we'll, we'll allow Teresa to, to, to use it anyway. So over to you. Okay. <laughs> and before we jump into that, Jennifer, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? Well, I like to keep things simple. Right now, the best way to get in touch with me is through LinkedIn. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you so much. We'll include all of that in the notes of our podcast as well to make it easy for our listeners to find it. Rapid fire Q&A, Jennifer. Yes, let's all just take a deep breath in. Yep. Okay. Breath out. (laughs) Omit the distractions. Get clear and focused. 10 statements with two choices. Interpret as it suits you. Awesome. Let's go. Manager or leader? Leader. Active or reactive? Active. Black and white or gray? Oh, I'm a gray girl. Optimist or realist? Optimist for sure. Canada or England? (laughs) Canada? Heart or head? Heart. Huge heart. Beautiful. Empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Yep. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert with a sprinkle of introvert. <laughs> <laughs> Logical or emotional? Emotional. All the way. <laughs> and last but not least, innovation or process? Oh, I'm huge on innovation. Don't put me uh, process. You can show me a recipe, but let me figure out how I'm going to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wasn't always that way. I've come a long way. That's a great way to describe it. Thank you yeah. so much for being with us today, Jennifer, and sharing your story and your path and those tidbits that will help our listeners really start to connect and overcome some of those limiting thoughts or beliefs getting in their way of success. Thank you for spending time with me today and allowing me to share my story. I really appreciate you both. You know, we've we've been connected for a while. We've been on a similar sort of journey in terms of beginning our coaching practice at least. And it's been really beneficial to me to have this connection. I'm grateful that we have also connected through Humans First and then having you on the show and, and, and really excited to see where this is going to go because it's clear that you've um, really invested in building the foundations and maybe it's taken you longer than you hoped to, to build those foundations but mm-hmm. you know the walls are coming up now and, and you know we're, we're moving higher and higher and you, you've done the time you've put in the work so those foundations are solid and you know sky's the limits We love to hear all of your feedback here on TNT ESQ. So if you've enjoyed this show, you've learned something, you've been inspired, please share it with your friends. Please rate the show. Please write a review on whichever podcast uh, platform you enjoyed it on to help us spread the word, 
help more people think differently and more people start doing differently. Thank you.